0: I stagger on, I stagger on I stagger on, I stagger on, on, I stagger on
1: So this episode tonight is something that's pretty close to me personally. Um, We're talking about the intersection of mental health challenges and being a musician. Um, My guest for this evening is Brian Joseph Kuhn, a performer, a songwriter who's been active out mostly in the suburban area for uh, a number of years here. And uh, the track we just listened to was um, from his new band, The Distant Memory Project, that's working on myself. And uh, let's get right into it. Um, We're just going to basically have a conversation about this, my experiences, Brian's experiences, and just kind of how we get on in the world and uh, dealing with this sort of stuff and, um, you know, getting across as a musician. I was reading some stats earlier today. So basically one in five adults uh, deals with mental illness in our country. Mm -hmm. Not really um, one of those things that, you know... I, for me, I, I'm of an age of where it was swept under the rug. When I was coming up, um, I had a lot of family members who suffered from things like depression and anxiety. I had relatives who dealt with uh, bipolar um, <laughs> disorders, and you know, it was always in this weird context of, oh, something's just not right about that person, right? You know, yeah, exactly. Like or, we don't, we don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Or they're, they're, they just, they just have problems or, mm-hmm. you know, and then, it, you know, uh, that extended to me personally, as I was growing up as well, I was uh, considered a sensitive kid, um, mm-hmm. moody, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and kind of dealing with that. But then there, you know, there was a quite a bit of bullying that kind of went on with that from my own personal experience Um, that just shaped a lot of things from worldview to things I like to do to Mm -hmm. social interactions, you know, but kind of having that sort of, you know, um, is what, you know, we see and deal with in the world now. And, you know, um, as a parent for myself, I see my son going through um, and uh, that's another kind of thing I want to talk about a little bit too. The world has changed so much. Oh, you're,
2: you're, yeah, you're so right. You know, um, I mean, I completely know where you're going with that. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Um, and th- th- this, you know, what we're talking about right now, to me, it's almost like the table of contents for our conversation or just things I kind of want to touch on. But my son suffers from anxiety and also just some other things uh, related to depression and mm-hmm. uh, things that he deals with and uh, the, the supports that he's able to get across the board have been very fantastic. I mean, I know um, it's not equal for everybody, but what's available there versus, oh, um, you know, you know, going back 30, 40 years ago when I was kind of growing up uh, it's such a different place. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there's just so much we can dive into with that. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to kind of hog the conversation here. Let's just kind of dive in and kind of talk about your background. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, how did you kind of come up as a musician and, you know, kind of go from there?
2: Yeah, I didn't start playing guitar until uh, I was in college, and from there, I just taught myself songs that I liked, for, you know, from artists that I listened to and basic chords. And I still do a lot of the same, uh, same type of stuff. But um, okay, uh, yeah. So then after college, I started writing my own music, and then I started singing, and then I started adding instruments and doing the whole one band man band thing, basically. Okay. Um, until about five years ago, when I really started uh, to to focus on music, and that whole the whole reasoning behind that is a it's it's all about mental health. Um, I was in treatment, okay, um, in in 2015, and you know I've I've battled some some demons and um, you know prescription medication stuff like that, and and I'm I'm an open book about it, but yeah, basically what happened. You know, I, w- I was burnt out at that mm-hmm. point and I had no answers. I didn't even understand depression and anxiety at that point. I knew right. I had it, but I knew nothing about it. Right. Uh, and then I went for a couple weeks to their program and learned tools and, that I could use to combat it. And music was one of those tools.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: yeah. And so it's become my main tool <laughs> at this point.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, I really resonate with that. Um, I started playing guitar by a process of osmosis. My mom was a musician and a guitar mm-hmm. player. Okay. So I, I I grew up with instruments and music around the house. My mom really liked hard rock, heavy metal. Um, and so just kind of coming up with that. But there were always guitars laying around. And just by process of osmosis, I started picking it up out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and for me, I stuck with it because it was, uh, it became a, you know, a support um, for me, you know, in, in that sense. And I think for me, subconsciously, it was, was I didn't really realize it until, you know, way, way into my adult years that mm-hmm. it, it really is a support for myself. Like, I, I use that as a tool for coping with so much. Shit. Being able to play music, being able to write and perform, that was such, it's, it's always a, been a cathartic thing for me. Mm, I come um, and, back to that word a lot. Yeah, yeah. Catharsis. It's it's complete because you know I always get a sense of catharsis when I'm playing music. Um, that part of the brain that gets engaged when you're composing or writing stuff, uh, for me is another another modality of therapy. You know, because it's a channel too. Like you can get as a musician. Um, and this kind of goes into my sort of training, but like you know, to me, like one of the things you can do as a musician, uh, you can't do necessarily with some of the other art forms as well as you can convey emotion very easily through sound you know
3: mm-hmm.
1: um B is a loud distorted guitar something that's processed or a sequence of chords or a melody um all of that is really shaped by emotional content um it's something i kind of learned indirectly and comes comes from quote i'm paraphrasing from the great jazz saxophonist john coltrane um, mm-hmm. the, he boils his essence of his performances and his, his, his abilities as a musician down to being able to convey emotion. Um, and for me, I, I think that's just kind of the, a, a prime modality of like as, as a therapy of like processing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily directly, but it it can come out you know in many different ways. But that's that that you know being able to find a put a finger on what, what makes that cathartic is that direct connection like that you know
3: mm-hmm.
1: um from for myself but yeah um but yeah I, I mean i've been playing for a very long time um you know i was actually talking to a colleague of mine today um and you know coming up on 33 years as a guitar player started oh, wow. playing when i was a, a young teen um i started taking it seriously like you know, coming out of junior high into high school, and it wasn't a thing I just kind of fucked around with, or, you know, I just wanted to, you know, meet chicks or anything. That that was never real, really. It. it, there was something else for it for me, and it was mm-hmm. really that. It, it's become part of my identity as a person, but also just that, that support, that that safety blanket, if you will. um
2: Yeah, so. I I try to write songs that are about mental health. Yeah. Uh, about negative things but taking the positive from um you know the positive outlook in the songs as far as as fighting fighting back against the disease and um you know doing things that are going to help you to to function and do well in life sure um you know that's a daily struggle oh it is yeah yeah and it's so and it's hard for someone who hasn't gone through it to to understand it oh Um, absolutely so yeah you know i can tell that we have uh, we we have an understanding between us of what you know some of this stuff is so I feel really good about that you know cool because what I'm all about is connecting with other people yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's my biggest thing right now is um you know I went to started going to open mics back in March and yeah. since then I've met so many musicians that I play with now you know I've got a band full of them (laughs) with guys i played with at open mics
1: yeah i saw some of your posts so you have a full a full uh sort of gigging band out now that you're you're starting yeah book shows with and yeah we just had our first we actually just had our
2: first overall practice uh this week and it went really well for us so we're happy with with it and and uh we have our first show december 17th very nice so it's a lot of work being done yeah, And I, I, I'm, I'm just really happy to, to be working with great musicians and good people.
1: Um, So just out of curiosity with the group you're with now, are, are you basically reworking tunes you've already written with them and adapting them? Or are you writing with these guys?
2: Uh, I'm pretty much, I'm writing all the songs. I'm, okay. I'm taking songs that I've written over the years, over the, probably the past year. Some of them are six, seven years old that right. I, I've done a lot of versions of um so basically i came to practice we had played some of the songs at the open mics um and you know i just gave them the chord changes and away we went and, okay and it you know it's there was something that clicked within with all these guys that i've played with um and a lot of musicians in the area that i've been fortunate enough to play with uh, yeah. since march yeah and uh you know you learn a lot through that process oh yeah absolutely and, um yeah, so it's it's a different feeling when you make music with other people than doing it by yourself. Yep. I've really found, and um,
1: yeah, that that's another yeah. another form of catharsis. Again, it's that social mm-hmm. experience of being able to create something with a group. Right. Um, absolutely, I, I that's something that I I absolutely cherish. Um, with the bands I'm working with now, like my main project. Um, you know the guy I've been jamming with, this bass player in our band. We, him and I have been working together off and on for twenty five years, and um, yeah, that's right. Damn, I'm old. Uh, anyway, <laughs> staying on staying on target here, on right? topic. <laughs> right, right. Um. But yeah, so um, there's a certain there, there's a certain comfort in that, but being able to have that social experience and exchange of ideas for us, a lot of our music, we, we set up, we write things. It's all instrumental too. Um. Mm-hmm you know, we, we write things with certain thematic concepts or certain direction and all that. But um, there's a certain amount of room we leave for improvisation, especially when we're playing live. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of a mandate, just given our, our backgrounds as musicians. Um, yeah, that, that experience of being able to connect with other people um, itself is cathartic, you know, um, mm-hmm. And, and really like when you, when you kind of get them all on the same page, it's such a powerful feeling, especially performing live and conveying mm-hmm. ve- that energy and that, that feeling towards uh, or with, or however you want to look at it with your audience. It's, it's such a, a powerful thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and every, so, when I go to the open mics, every time I play a song, it's in a, in a little ways different than the last time. Oh, Absolutely because they're playing with different um, musicians. So they're, they're different interpretations they are doing different things. And I love, I, I love every week I've got new versions of songs and they kind of continue to develop that way.
1: Oh, cool. And they're flexible yeah. enough to kind of pick up on those changes and roll. With oh yeah I've, I've,
2: yeah. I've been very fortunate to play with uh, musicians that can latch on immediately. I go to a, a place in Woodridge called Shanahan's okay. and um, I play with a guy named Matt Shukin who's an amazing guitarist and then Rob Kletzky who's a bassist there in, in a little trio with each other, but they host the open mic and everybody just comes up and they play the songs with them. Right. And so I, what I do, I've been doing since March is I go there and I'd say, all right, here's the chord changes. I start strumming and away we go. And it, it's just, it's such a, like it's cathartic is again, the, the right yeah, word for it.
1: For sure. Yeah. The other variable with performing live, um, is just the room in the audience as well, you know, mm-hmm. makes a big um, difference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's the variable. You have absolutely no control over until you get up. Right. You know, whatever your stage, wherever your environment's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, what, one thing kind of relating back to this, this intersection that we're kind of focused on tonight with the mental health mm-hmm. and the musician too, is the uh, coping skills, you know, when you have great shows it's great you have that energy you're you're all you're feeling elevated right and you know you don't you don't have to worry about so much with like any potential kind of triggering things that could potentially happen with that you're just up and you're elevated it's great the the, uh, room is great and but i mean you do have shows as a musician too where it could be the inverse of that it's a tough crowd a tough room um Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, sometimes you have an off night. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, that's for me. Um, learning coping skills for just dealing with mental health, just uh, it goes hand in hand with that as a performer as well. Because sometimes you have to be able to separate yourself and do like the opposite reaction to that emotion that you're experiencing in order mm-hmm. to get through the show or to you know, if, or people who are coming up to you and want to engage socially and have a conversation while, you know, you're done with your set or, mm-hmm. or, or whatnot, whatever those social interactions are. Um, there, there are some very re- real coping skills that have to come into play with that too. So, um, but that's, that's the gamble and the risk is always the the greater reward too. And right, I, I found, you know, for me, and especially once I became more aware of kind of, my my issues like they became more codified with uh, the mental health stuff. Um, the amount of shows that I had were that were shit. Uh, kind of really dropped because mm-hmm. I, I I learned the skills I needed. I and I was able to process things and I could just really focus on the joy of creating and performing music. Mm -hmm. and once you um, don't have all those nerves and right you know know what you're gonna do you know what's triggering and what what to look for and how to read yourself too you know yeah
2: oh yeah recognizing warning signs of i for me if i'm not playing music i basically i know that's a warning sign that i'm slipping into a depressive episode probably
0: It's
1: with covid um not having the social interaction was one level of that you know but um I, you know you lose your muse at some point too and then yeah i mean i i had you know months where i just wouldn't touch a guitar at all i couldn't you know mm-hmm. um and just i think some of it was just all all the, all the way to the world coming in and having to kind of process that Um, you know, and it could come off of a great high too. I actually produced some really good music with friends remotely during COVID. And it was, it was a very odd experience, but it was one of those as, as another form of figuring out finding that catharsis and finding that way to connect to people, even if you couldn't do it in person in real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, the, 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 the balance of um, the isolation for me to kind of took a bit of a toll, you
2: know? Oh yeah, for sure. I But myself, I had some um, other health issues that happened then. Uh, I got really sick and during COVID thought I had COVID and it turned Uh out that I had a bleeding ulcer in my stomach. And so I lost uh, a lot of blood and uh, two blood transfusions. Wow. Um, So that was in the middle of COVID. So for like three months, I could barely walk or stand. I didn't, couldn't do anything music. Yeah. You know I never I didn't know if I was going to ever play music again really through that right. process. yeah and um, I th- it made me appreciate being able to play music so much and yeah. it, it made me want to want to share that with people
1: yeah yeah I, I hear that yeah that, that's rough. I, I didn't have personal many personal experiences that impacted me but um, my son did uh, he was hospitalized a couple of times. Um, dealing with a few different things, some of them psychological, um, and some not, um, but that, that was the other, like you were saying, like the, you know, at, at some point considering am I even going to be able to get back to this again. Like I right. said, you know, for me as a parent, I had to drop everything and focus on him and having a bit of empathy for that was helpful you know because i i kind of could read some of the things that was going on with him and you know he got into a really good treatment program he went to a php program for a while um to kind of recover and learn some new skills and all that and my Mm -hmm. partner and i went with him too because we could process as a group together too as a family
2: oh that's great that you did Uh, that
1: but yeah but there's there's that it's like on top of this he he was having all these other challenges Mm -hmm. um and yeah um you, you know, you kind of get to that point with your, your experiences like can, can I even get back? But yeah, um, in my, my main band, we didn't rehearse for like 18 months like at all., so oh, wow. we, we couldn't get into a room together. Some of it was due to just family members needing things. Some of it was having family members that are immunocompromised. So yeah, it, you know, we still kind of work around that because myself, I, I have a, a, a mother who, who has those things. She's in a, a kind of a nursing home now. Um, and my, my drummer, the same sort of set of issues. And w- we're constantly kind of juggling, like like looking at the, the, the sort of the climate. Like right now, there's kind of a spike going on. We're being very careful about like, okay, are, are we going to be able to go into a studio in a few months and get this album done? Mm. Or do we have to kind of pull back a little bit and kind of write it out a little bit more? But yeah, we went through that whole period from March. We didn't get into a room together until last um, end of August. And um again, uh our the theme of today or the secret word if you remember Pee Wee's Playhouse is catharsis. Mm. Yeah, um once we were able to get that to get to it and just jam, like you know, we mm-hmm. had like a good three or four hour session where we were do some improv and kind of our older material stuff, and yeah, um that's like all right, this is back. This is this is this is it again, and, and, and you know, waiting for that that moment when we we're able to, to kind of play together again was so so much so rewarding you
2: know Mm -hmm. makes you really appreciate it yeah being able to do it
1: absolutely Um, but yeah ever ever since i started going to the open mics it's yeah um it sounds like you found a really good you have a really good scene out where you're at oh oh there's a great yeah Yeah.
2: it really is it's uh there's actually multiple scenes i kind of hang out in right uh joliet area where there's some really good yeah there's a hot yeah. Yeah. And you'll see the same people there. And then I go to ones in Downers Grove in Westmont. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm seeing other people Yeah. and trying to kind of bridge those, those scenes together. Yeah. Um, is, is what, yeah. So I introduced, like, I introduced my drummer to the guy that's going to play lead guitar um, for us. And, yep. and, you know, so blending the scenes, I think it would be really cool because there's, there's really cool people with like-minded, you know, thoughts that are, working in both scenes and it's just it's it's its own
1: community. It really is. it, it is. I've noticed that in the last I would say four or five years. Or so um I was thinking about um so there's there's the whole scene in Joliet and I've had quite a few people on from that sort of Joliet Wolkina South suburb scene as mm-hmm. this on here. And it was all it, it's all been like word of mouth like I have one guy on or one person on and then you know, immediately after that, I got a bunch of his, their friends who kind of request to, to be on the show. Um, and it created, I started seeing that the network effect of that sort of happening. But what you're talking about too, like with Downers Grove, uh that kind of scene. And then around Lyle with that, it was a base camp. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then that guy, uh, Aaron Williams, who does mm-hmm. the, the festival, the homegrown festival. Um yep. That that to me that's been kind of an anchor thing that's really ha- blossomed really really nicely out in the western and southwestern suburbs. Yeah,
2: I I played homegrown uh, not this past year but the year before. Yeah, um, and it it was really cool. I played a solo acoustic set outside. Yeah, and uh, you know it was in September of last year, so you know we're right in the middle of COVID. I hadn't played in forever. Right, and so it was really cool. And then this past year I actually worked the door okay uh, like nine hours
1: <laughs> oh wow
2: yeah but the, here's the yes. thing is i met so many musicians that i knew from right facebook and instagram that became kind really of really cool
1: right that became kind yeah. of a, an event for that that's exactly of the scene yeah mm-hmm. at, and at, at seeing that really uh, for me i i went to high school out in naperville so i'm familiar with that area um okay. you know at that time when i was in high school there was a, a, a strong sort of suburban scene and it was mostly with teenagers of course But then Mm -hmm. it kind of went away. And then, you know, the stalwart of suburbs and the sort of the the stigma is like, it's all cover bands and tribute bands. Oh yeah. And that's, that's the the sort of the the stock and trade out there, but being able to see like so many good bands, like just out of the, there are
2: a lot, there are a lot of great bands in this area playing original, playing original music.
1: Absolutely. And they're starting to get some momentum behind that. Yeah. the, 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 um, yeah, the Homegrown Fest, and I know there's Punk in the Bird. There's a lot of bands on that that people um I've seen, you know, and I've featured on my show in the past that are doing good stuff. And then same with the metal scene, too. I mean, there's a pretty healthy... um original scene with all of that so it's good to see that that is kind of really manifested itself and Mm -hmm. um it's creating some opportunities now for original bands to get out of who like myself were based in the city to kind of come out there again and yeah there's a lot of
2: great a lot of great venues out here
1: yeah for sure so you know so you mentioned about the uh, shanahan's and woodridge um what are other places that you like to typically play out, out by you
2: um I go to a place called Elder Brewing on Thursdays in Joliet. Okay. Uh, and I actually work with the guy who runs uh actually. <laughs> so I've another place I've been to is a Drunken Donut and I know yep. the guy that I work with the guy who, who yeah. books that. Yeah, Alex yeah. Seek and uh he's he's become a really good friend of mine and then So we go to elder pretty much every week and that's kind of an open jam situation where it's not like a list. Everyone goes up, plays their song. It's who wants to play guitar next. Who wants to play drums? Okay. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Cantu does it. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it's just a fun place to go on Thursday nights. If you're ever out in the suburbs, that'd be a place I'd recommend for sure.
1: Yeah. A guy I heard on a few months ago, Matt dirty. He's kind of a country rock player.
2: I heard the name before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, one thing I kind of wanted to talk about too. So you mentioned older brewers. So one of the things I've seen that's particularly been been cool out there is that a lot of the breweries are bringing in music now. Yeah. Like it's becoming almost an alternate way to book shows. Um, And and it seems like, you know, between that and then like, you're describing this kind of network effect of like, there's a lot of people kind of go hang out there, Mm -hmm. you know, beer and music obviously go hand in hand. Um, it, you know, um, that, that's something that's just kind of a fantastic thing to hear about, you know, and he was mentioning, too, like he he, uh, he kind of hits like the kind of the circle or kind of a circuit of like local sort of brew pubs and breweries that, you know, are really mm-hmm. starting to pay attention. I mean, and mostly it's like kind of folk stuff or kind of acoustic oriented stuff, because just given that they're not like fully vetted venues with stages and all that for the most part. Yeah, But um, it's just a nice alternative you know way to be able to gig you know um mm-hmm.
2: have you been to the Drunk and donut before Perhaps. i have yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have. that's <laughs> that's that's where we're playing our first show that fantastic
1: yeah. yeah fun place and to me that's like the liars club or the mutiny of the suburbs it's, you know? it, yeah it's God's it's got a really
2: alex provides a really good vibe and there's just like a, yeah. it's a cool scene there's a lot of cool people and it's its yeah. own thing It really is. And it's fun. I've been to a few shows of, of friends there and I'm really excited to play there. For sure.
1: For sure. Um, so, uh, one other thing I kind of wanted to talk about too, and you mentioned this, but like you kind of position yourself as really just kind of being an advocate for mental health. Um, and that's a lot of your subject matter. What, 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 what was it that led you to want to be that open and be that much of a, lack of a better term like a lightning rod or a uh, somebody who's a, a spokesperson in that sense
2: um I, it's just a passion that i have okay uh, to basically to to make it okay to talk about mental health
1: yeah and
2: make it okay to you know to talk about things that are that are difficult right but there's so many people going through them and it's so much it's it's easier to deal with that stuff when you have talking to other people that have, right. That understand like we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's more about, it's about meeting new people and putting myself out there, I think is just like, if I'm going to do it, I have to be authentic.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I just, that's just the way I feel about it. I need to be all in with it. And it's, the support that I get really helps me to continue doing it. Yeah. So you know that's why I, I post a lot of stuff and I'm writing and recording and doing stuff yeah. daily because, it's what I do to to get through, the tough times. And yeah. like I said before, yeah, it's a it's a daily battle. Yeah, it is. Yes. And so you you have to find ways to get like we were talking about with the tools and coping mechanisms. Right. You have to find the ones that work for you. And for me doing music and then, you know, I and I, know. I've had, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and, and almost in the sense of like evangelizing about, you know, it, but in, in a way that, I mean, maybe the word evangelize is probably not the right choice, but, um, you know, just being somebody who is a, an access point for that, that it's okay mm-hmm. to talk about this stuff. It's yeah. okay to have conversations about it. It's right. right. Yeah,
2: yeah yeah that's that's basically that that's my goal and i've been at open mics i've talked to people and and told them this stuff and i a lot of times they'll open up and yeah for me when they when you get a moment like that it, it's you know it's great because it's like oh actually something that i'm doing potentially help this person right now in this moment and because i you know we all have to help each other that's kind of the way i look at it
0: To find, just so hard to find.
1: This is a tangential thing, kind of related to that, um, but it, it really comes down to access, you know, um, getting help um, is a challenge, like professional help mm-hmm. or you know, being able to find a therapist right now because there's such a high demand. Yep, I think COVID really exacerbated that along with many other things. Um, but um, yeah, just in that sense of like, I mean, people should, you know, if they really need serious professional help, they should try to get that, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but having just more people just around to talk to. And then in the context mm-hmm. of like music, like Hey, I want to go out and listen to some music and having somebody who like yourself is there who is so open about it. You know, it just is a, a voice to talk to. Sometimes that's all people just need at the moment, you know? Yep. And that that could save them potentially, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the one thing is we, we never know what's going on in somebody else's mind. Exactly. And, you know, what 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 battles they're fighting in their head, or mm-hmm. or you know, how long they've worn those shoes, you know, that they're walking in. I mean, yep and and that's just uh, uh, the the cultural change i think that needs to kind of happen and and uh, there needs to be more people like you out in the world is what i'm getting at. you know <laughs> i appreciate who are, that who are willing to kind of open themselves up and like get people to at least start thinking about it and talking about this in a more mm-hmm. open way yeah
2: making yourself vulnerable because exactly. we're all we're all vulnerable and that's very true and uh, so yeah, that's the, you know, it's just my passion to do this and share music with other people and now play music with other people. And so that's kind of why, why I put myself out there is just say, Hey, let's, let's talk about this stuff. You know, let's, let's put it out there. And it may maybe you won't feel better after you do it, but maybe you will, you know, and so, and you probably will because holding it in is not, is not the answer. I did that. I did that till I was, you know, 30 some years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm 39 now. And I probably didn't really get that till about five years
1: ago. Absolutely. When I was in treatment. Absolutely. What led you to seek treatment? Can you talk about the story with that? Just I uh, Well, yeah. I had
2: lost my lost my job, okay. basically due to depression. And uh, that had happened before I worked in the corporate realm for right. a while. And, uh, realized it just I it doesn't work for me I have to be be doing something different and so basically I was completely broken down and I went into my see my counselor at the time and she had, had mentioned maybe you should do one of these programs you know it might be a good idea and for for months I was like yeah that's a good idea but I wasn't you know I didn't take the step yeah but Then I was so down. She brought it up in a, in one of our sessions and I just said, Oh, fuck it. Let's do it. That was literally what I said. I was just like, fuck it. Let's do it. It was like, I have nothing else right now. Right. Nothing else I'm hanging on to. It's, I, I needed the help. And I was, it came out of that complete desperation that, you know, and despair um, where I've been. Right. And so, yeah, finally there was a breaking point and I went there and I remember the first uh, counselors or group uh, counseling meeting was, and I heard other people talking about their experiences and, and I was like, wait, you feel like that too? And I thought I was the only one. I didn't think this was like a wide, you know, I didn't understand that it was something outside of me as well, that it, it was going on with other people. And I think maybe that's part of where, yeah, you know, I got that notion in my head of, Let's talk about this stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, that was that was kind of the starting point for me, was when I walked into there and was able to walk out and say, Oh, I'm not alone. And that's yeah. a huge thing. And that's what people that's when people lead to suicide or lead to bad mental health outcomes. It ends with them being alone. Yeah. You know, yep. And it, it really sucks. I've I've seen so many times on Facebook and that people talking about how Uh, I wish we knew. I wish I reached out. Yeah. So if in that case then reach out to another person that you can still help, that's the way I look at it. Absolutely. Because it's, yeah, it's not, I mean, when people are in their darkest times,
1: they're not going to reach out.
2: Right. Exactly. That's there. It's like the way I describe it is it's just like any other injury really. Like if they say you, you, you tore your ACL playing football or something, are they right. going to ask you to go back out on the field and, and play the week later? If, when your brain's not working correctly,
1: of course not. Right.
2: Well, you know, it's the same thing. Like you can't function correctly and you can't do the things that you enjoy doing, or you can't reach out because you don't know how to explain to other people and you don't even know, you don't know how to start the conversation. Right. And so you, you get stuck in that isolation. Absolutely and that's when you know we lose people is when they're so isolated and and immensely and physically so yep sorry to get heavy there
1: (laughs) no no that's 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 the that's that's the dance man i hate to use the word dance Mm -hmm. but to me that's what it is i've gone through episodes like that numerous times um and um yeah. I, I mean, for myself, I've done little bits of therapy here and there. Uh, some of it, like when during hospitalizations or treatments for other things, um, you know, but never a long-term thing. Um, watching my son go through things in the last couple of years, um, him coming up as a teenager and dealing with all the things in the world and just seeing things I battle with. Oh. And also my, my partner and-, and family members that are, Manifesting himself, and teen,
2: man. it's being a teenager. Oh, it's rough, man. It's rough, man. It, I the, mean, the, I mean, you the, just look, look day, at, they, you, yeah. Especially now, you just look at what it, what just happened the other day, you know, in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, all,
1: all the crap that they got to deal with that they, they have to. Right.
2: Now that's a worry. Like if you're going right. to to a high school, that's something that right. we never because for me, Columbine happened when I was in high school.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And that was you know obviously the start of most of most of this and but it, it it's at that point now where you have to actually fear for your life when you go to school and that was right. something i did not grow up with
1: yeah a- they have active, that fear active shooter training is something that that's part of their curriculum
2: right? yeah we were doing tornado drills you know we weren't yeah. we weren't doing active shooter drills it's right it's terrifying and it's it is but that's why you get for, for as a kid man when you don't know what you're dealing with right that's why yeah again i'm about talking about it because yeah yeah I, when i when i was in high school and going through all this stuff i, I didn't talk about any of it and nope. it, it just built up
1: right you know yeah that was um yeah and, and it is such a continuum once you start processing it too and for I me mean, for me it goes back to early childhood mm-hmm. of where, where things kind of started and some of it is genetic and, and biological some of yep. it was you know environmental and you you can totally say ptsd with that you know Mm -hmm. um and and it's just you know what you're able to cope with subconsciously is kind of amazing before you actually have a conscious realization of like holy fucking shit i'm about to i'm about to end it you know Mm -hmm. you know um you know you know for me um I, I've had various points in my life where, you know, I've thought about ideation and even attempts, but like my most recent, I was, I was in my thirties, I was 35 and I was trying to quit smoking. Um, my deal is i I have an addictive personality. So my coping has always been drugs, you mm-hmm. know? So that was my, my first thing I turned to was cause there was no support. So drugs will make me feel better. So whatever. Right, you're just
2: was, looking for, you're looking for the escape.
1: That's exactly, exactly. it. Booze, yeah. weed, acid, whatever it was, man. Mm-hmm. LSD, PCP. I, you know, trying any anything that's just gonna get my fucking head to stop mm-hmm. or or take me somewhere else, that escapism, yep. right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, cigarettes go hand in hand with that. Cigarettes have that, like mm-hmm.
2: yeah, that affects your mental that, health as well.
1: Abso- yeah. Absolutely. And it gives you that immediate satisfaction of that satiation from the nicotine, but like. You also have like that little bit of the death trip you can control. Like, I have this thing and I can control it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it gives you a point of focus. So it's like, okay, or having a fidget spinner does the same thing if you think about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the cigarette is the same kind of device. It just has that delivery system with the nicotine and all that other shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was about, I think I was about maybe 34, 35 years old. I finally decided I, I, I'm done with smokes. Like, I, I just, you know, I, I, my mom's a chain smoker for years. I followed the pattern along with being a musician. Right.
3: Right.
1: And it goes hand in hand as a musician. Sometimes, you know, uh, you see a lot of people who smoke it does. And, and that's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of reasons for that too. It's a way to pass the time or, or whatever it is. Plus it's an image thing. Um, but yeah, after starting up in my teens and finally in my mid thirties, I'm like, I'm going to quit smoking. So my doctor like, Hey, let's try Wellbutrin. And oh my god, what a fucking nightmare that was! Oh boy, oh um, yeah. But that, that triggered like all kinds of wild bipolar behaviors, uh-huh. um, and just you know things that I you know had little experiences with, but then it just it went from one to ten on an amplification scale yep. right that's away. That's exactly
2: right. that's exactly the way I, I say it. Like so, yeah. anxiety wise, yeah the way I describe anxiety is for me is let's say in a normal situation, your anxiety is at a a three. If you, you know, well, for me, my anxiety, my normal level is probably at like a six. Oh, so when it, when it jumps up, I'm jumping from six to 10, you're, you're jumping from three to seven. So it's, that's where, that's how I describe it is that's kind of what it is living with anxiety. That's constant and of and i i've i've always i use this uh it's not a phrase but yeah this idea that that i've heard a, um i heard a long time ago is the future is depression and or i'm sorry, sorry the future is anxiety and the past is depression
1: that is 100% true yep yeah cuz you yeah. you're worried about the things you can't see um then you ruminate and the things that you are replaying playing over and over in your head right right yeah 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 Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, for me though, yeah, that, that culmination though, like I, I had to get help once I was, I was was driving home from work, uh, actually Mm -hmm. going to pick up my son. He was a little kid at the point, like a toddler. And I just, I kept having like, and it was like a scary ass ideation of, I'm just going to drive into the median and I'm done, you know? And then I was like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't escape it. You know, I'm just like, I, yeah. I'm trying, trying to get out of my head. It's like, I just can't escape. And this is like, this is, this is what it's like. This is like being on the roller coaster and you can't get off and you can't control it. Yep. Right. And then finally, I just had to like pull over like somewhere. I got off the expressway and just parked my car went for a walk for like a half hour um, and just had to, to just deal with it and just, you know, try to see if I could like function, you know? And w- once I had that realization, that was like at that, that point of awareness, you know, like I, I really do need help, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, once you're able to finally get your guard down because you're, you're coping with this, these debilitating things that are going on in your head that are, mm-hmm. are affecting your ability to like deal with it, you know, cause right. it's just like, this is just normal. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're wired yourself now to think that those processes are normal and then, but it's like, okay, well, no, this isn't, this is why friends go away. or This is why things between me and my wife are going to shit or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know? But yeah. yeah it's, and it's like, all right, once, once you're able to finally get to a point where, you know, you get that help where you can start processing, man, that, that's that, that, that weight just kind of comes off your shoulders, you know? Um, And mm-hmm. then, or to have the clouds in the heavens part or we want a visual metaphor or whatever. Just, mm-hmm yeah um and it's 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 just eye-opening you know um Mm -hmm. so for sure um that's my train of thought now (laughs) it's contagious it is it is there's so many ideas floating around and it's like all right which one do I want to grab on (laughs) so um I guess uh so yeah yeah I mean just this intersection we keep kind of like coming back to um are you working on any kind of material um for like a f- like a full release or any kind of like ep or anything that's coming
2: uh, yeah my goal is to probably record i'm going to try to get into the studio here soon maybe okay. in january um yeah. to record a single and just record singles yeah rather than a full album at once and just over yeah. time release you know them. give each song some time to breathe and get out there and for people to hear it and then and you know, a couple of weeks later, we'll come with another one, and you know, so I'm trying to figure that out right now for sure. I would definitely want to be recording in a studio early next year,
1: okay? Cool, yeah. This, the single strategy is, um, I think that's another, um, I don't want to say symptom, it's just another or an effect of COVID. You yeah. know,
2: I remember and people's short attention spans, people,
1: and, and <laughs> that's, know, re- that's really it, it. right? Attention, yeah. right? That's that's really it. We went from the LP now and then, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, everybody's doing EPs like you do an right. EP every year, every other year, just get short and sweet five tunes, mm-hmm. six tunes, whatever. And now, yeah, once COVID hits, like people are just dropping singles now. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense because to your point, yeah, it's that attention span, everything is online. And I think that's the COVID going through that really accelerated it. Now it's like, there's the online component. You have to kind of look at like, having some sort of video representation now, because that's table mm-hmm. stakes, right? Even yeah. if it's just you playing live or you playing with your iPhone and you're, you're right. doing the tune in your house or whatever. Yeah, yep. or space. Yeah, no. That's yeah, I, I post
2: multiple multiple things a day. and just, Yes, you do. I, I did see I that do. video you
1: sent me the other day. That was good.
2: Thanks. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's... So I put it out there and it's like, the yeah. way I look at it is if someone sees it and it, you know it hits them, Well, that's cool. That's fine. It doesn't need to hit like 50,000 people. If it, if it connects with one person, then you build, build from there. And once I started living with that mentality of focus on the mic, focus on the micro, not the macro, not like, not how many Instagram followers you have, which are bots half the time. Exactly. It's once I started doing that and connecting with people on that one-to-one level with the music, uh, you know, that's, it became much more rewarding that way when you meet somebody who's been through it and and yeah you see the same things it's you know that's like i said that's kind of what i'm looking for so
1: yeah i think yeah i mean you have such a good point on that i'm definitely a fan of what you're musically too of the, the songs they're, they're good, I appreciate good material it. but what you're, what you're doing is, is a a thing that, you know, it's really helping raise awareness around all this stuff. Yeah. But more important, you're putting yourself out there as a resource, which Mm -hmm. those are scarce, you know, Um, being that that advocate for people is is great. You know, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you too, man. Um, All right. right. Hey, Hey, Brian, it was great chatting with you. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, Good luck with the new lineup. And um, we'll look forward to hearing some new music from you in the coming year. Thanks. I appreciate it a lot. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right. Cheers. Visit rockinchicago.org to learn more about Brian and his new band, The Distant Memory Project, along with the great guest list he curated, to go along with this episode featuring a number of great artists from the Chicagoland area. We're going to close this special feature with a tune that I actually wrote. Um, This is from a previous project called Beneath the Stairs, and this track is called Mood Swings. Take care, everyone.